Please remain standing and pray with me. Father, pray that you would speak to us a fresh word from your holy scriptures and use me as a vessel. Prepare all of our hearts and our ears to hear your word today in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. And grab your Bibles in your pews. You'll need them to follow along today. Because we're going to be in Matthew 23, the text we just heard read aloud. And the setting for this, this uh, uh, what Jesus states here, is this is the aftermath of fireworks. When Jesus entered into Jerusalem that holy week, he had multiple confrontations with the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, the religious leaders, the religious officers in Israel in that day. And I mean, his first move was to cleanse the temple and it made them not happy. And then multiple times they challenge him and, and he throws their challenges right back at them. There's a clash over and over again, between two different claims of authority and two different styles of authority, the religious officers and then Jesus going toe-to-toe multiple times. And everything, in, in, in these, these debates that go on between Jesus and the religious leaders are all about authority. In fact, when Jesus first enters in, they ask him, after he's cleansed the temple, and, and uh, they ask him, by what authority... Are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? This all focuses on the authority of Jesus versus the authority of these religious officers, these men. And eventually, Jesus shuts them up completely. In fact, just the verse before today's passage, we hear no one was able to answer Jesus a word, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. He thoroughly shut them up. So what we hear Jesus is he, he, today, he pivots to the crowd. It's, it's Passover season, so there's people passing by, and obviously he's gathered a crowd. He always does. But he addresses them. And this, today's passage, is a preface to seven woes, seven curses against these Pharisees, these scribes. And today we hear Jesus, in this little preface, do three different things. He condemns the religious leaders by name, directly condemns them. He sets us, the people of God, under the Father's authority. And then he invites us to humble servitude, to follow his example and not the example of the Pharisees. And so that's what we're going to explore today is Jesus' preface to seven woes. So join me in Matthew 23, starting in verse 2. Verse 1 sets the scene. Jesus turns and says, says to the crowds and to his disciples who are all there. He says, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works that they do. For they preach, but they do not practice. Jesus' main point here is that they, they don't practice what they themselves preach. There's a, little, a few things we need to explore. First off, he says that they sit on Moses' seat. What does that mean? When you look at the Old Testament in Exodus 18, Moses himself would sit down to judge the people of Israel. He would provide guidance 
teaching and judgment from the law of God on all the questions that they had. And eventually, he passes this on to and delegates this to other men, giving them teaching and judging authority. And this continues on. There's always an officer of teacher within the people of Israel. Even after exile, when they come back, people would teach. In fact, in the synagogues, you had a literal stone seat, a throne, so to speak, in the synagogue, right in the middle, where the rabbis would sit down, open the scroll, and they would preach being seated right in front. And this is seen as Moses' seat. They were the successors to Moses, in a sense. Now, Jesus says that the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. He could say, well, they, they occupy a legitimate office, but they're corrupt. But in the, in the Greek, it's actually, they have seated themselves on Moses' seat. They have taken and presumed upon themselves the authority of Moses. And Jesus is, is likely using sarcasm here when he's speaking of, of them and their authority. Because he calls them out for the ways that they, the scribes and Pharisees, and the Pharisees themselves were actually many of them lay people who wanted to seek after righteousness in Israel. So they literally did not occupy an office. He, he calls them out for their abuse. He first off says, after saying that they preach but do not practice, they tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. You see, they, there was a double standard where the Pharisees, the scribes, the teaching, uh, the teachers of Israel would lay heavy burdens on other people that would go beyond the law of God. But they themselves found loopholes where they didn't really have to obey God's law. Jesus himself confronted the Pharisees earlier in Matthew's gospel uh, about this very thing. Jesus and his disciples didn't wash their hands ritually before eating, which was not part of God's Old Testament law. But the Pharisees come to him and, or the, and the scribes, and they say, why do the disciples break the traditions of the elders? They don't wash their hands when they eat. And Jesus, he doesn't really answer. He retorts and says, why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? Ooh, that stings. <laughs> See, what they were doing and Jesus uses the example of the command to honor father and mother. Well, the Pharisees found a loophole or created a loophole where they could say, well, their possessions were given to God. So it, it, you know, they, they could disenfranchise their parents. They break the commandments of God by following these traditions of elders, by finding loopholes in the law. Jesus calls them out for using loopholes to be, be hypocrites. And then he calls them out for many other things. He says they do all their deeds to be seen by others. They like the visibility of being seen, being thought of as more righteous. For they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. So Jewish men in that day and age would wear these prayer shawl things with fringes on them. Jesus himself wore these. And people who touched Jesus, the fringe of Jesus' garment were healed. So he wore one of these, but these men would make them very long, large, flamboyant, noticeable. They were peacocking. They liked being noticed by others. And then Jesus says that they loved the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues. They liked the perks. They liked getting front row tickets in the synagogues and the feasts 
Jesus elsewhere has called people out for seeking the best seats at the table. They like greetings in the marketplaces. They like the celebrity status that they had for being seen as, as more righteous, for being called uh, uh, teachers, and, and they like being called rabbi by others. So there's the perks that they really liked, and they milked it for all that it was, it was worth, the, the scribes and the Pharisees. So Jesus calls them out for this, and he proceeds to, this is what he's beginning to do, he's beginning to judge these teachers with divine judgment. This is what we heard God himself do through the prophet Micah today in the Old Testament, where he condemns the abuse of priests, of of prophets and others. And, And then he says, God is no longer going to be speaking through you. It's going to be dark day in Israel for you. Jesus himself is doing the same for these teachers, these presumed teachers for many of them. And we know in Scripture that teachers themselves will be judged with a harsher judgment. James says in James 3, verse 1, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. And I know that myself as a teacher in the church. So Jesus directly condemns by name the religious officers in his day and his age. But then he provides another model, a correction in many ways, because he begins in this this, uh, passage to set us under the authority of the Father. So after Jesus says they like being called rabbi by others, he says, but you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all brothers. The one teacher being Christ, and he levels the playing field. We're all brothers under Jesus. And he says, call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. He resets things under his authority and the father's authority. He points out that he is the true teacher. That means that these men are illegitimate, is what he's saying. That God is the exalted one, deserving of the title father and other exalted titles, like Lord, and that we are all brothers under one father. So Jesus reorients us all under the authority of his father. Now, a lot of us, especially in, in, in evangelical circles, get really caught up about this whole passage about fathers. And that's not really the point. Um, you know, elsewhere in scripture, we see St. Paul call himself a father to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 4.13. So the issue isn't with the literal title father, it's with these men who presume and would exalt themselves and almost exalt themselves to a godlike status. And by resetting the authority under the authority of the father, Jesus is not saying that authority doesn't exist. Authority structures, the order of our society, these things, they are real, they are true. But the focus, the beginning The end of all authority is God. He's the reference. So governmental authorities, familial authorities, economic, ecclesial, like the church, 
These all are real and true and things. They exist. They're necessary for the ordering of society, but they're under the authority of God the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ, when they are rightly functioning. After Jesus condemning the religious officers and then reordering and reorient authority under the Father, he himself gives us a better way than the scribes and the Pharisees. He invites us to a humble servitude. In verse 11, Jesus says, the greatest among you shall be your servant. The greatest should be a servant. What Jesus is saying is that if functioning properly, those with greater authority are actually lower on the totem pole. In Matthew 24, just uh, the next chapter in verse 45, Jesus says, Who then is the faithful and wise slave whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Those who have authority are slaves of the master. Those who have higher responsibility are actually lower on the totem pole. And our example of this is Jesus himself. In Matthew 20, verse 25, says, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles, those who are not God's people, lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. They milk it. They use it. They abuse their authority for all it's worth, like the scribes and the Pharisees. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, which Jesus just said in today's passage. But he says this, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is our model of humble servitude, of humble authority. Jesus, who was in the form of God, humbled himself to a servant, a slave, to the point of death. And that's our model. And for those of us who follow this model, we actually have an eschatological, an end times promise that on judgment day, Jesus says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Those who live out a humble authority, a servitude, will be exalted on that day. And those who do not, those who seek to get their reward of the perks, the, uh, the, um, the benefits of, of such an office, and who abuse that authority and who milk for all it's worth, will be made humble on that day. Those wanting attention and praise, they've received their reward in this life, so Jesus tells us. And so for us, for our desire on that day should be to hear the words of God to us saying, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Jesus calls us to exercise a humble authority in whatever place of responsibility that we ourselves have been given. So with this passage, I mean, what's the application? What does this mean to us today? The most direct and clearest application of this text is 
uh, to the religious authorities of our day and age, to me, to Benji, to Randy, to Father Ben, to all of us, because we will be judged with a stricter judgment. So pray for us. Hold us accountable um, that we would not be like the scribes and the Pharisees. Lord, have mercy. But for all of us, we have all been placed under authority and given areas of authority and responsibility. All of us. Governmental, if you're a representative. Uh, familial, if you're a father or a husband or a parent. Or economic, if you're an employer. Or even if you're an employee, you have work that you're responsible for. Ecclesial, obviously, for us. But there's also the authority that we've been set under if we are sons and daughters, if we are laity of the church, if we are subject of our government, we have responsibility there as well. There's a flip side to it all. So the question we need to ask is, what authority, first off, have we been set under? The point of this text being, what authority and responsibility have we been given over? What is our area of responsibility? And how do you live this out well in obedience to Jesus? Jesus' call is to not follow the example of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, to avoid hypocrisy, avoid self-service, attention, perks of being in charge. We're called to not follow that example, but to follow the example to imitate Jesus who himself exercised a humble authority, a humble servitude in his example, in his life, in his ministry. And the final point, and this isn't the main point of, of, of this text, but it's in the background, and it's all through, obviously, the Holy Scriptures, and it's the call for us to ultimately to submit under the lordship the authority of Jesus. The end of, God, of the Gospel of Matthew is that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. We are under that, and we are called ourselves to bend the knee to him as our King and our Lord. May we do that today. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.